This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? Not bad. Uh, we're in hell. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you went to go grab something and your mind blanked out, didn't it? Uh, it's not like I, we didn't have plenty of time to think of something. <laughs> oh, Jesus, the computer hated us today. Did not want this episode to come out. I was like, it's really giving us a hell of a time, isn't it, Greg? He's like, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting so angry. Well, we, we're here. We're recording. Good. Yes. All right. So, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. Have you seen this before? I'm assuming yes. you have, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen it a few okay. times. Yeah, I was gonna say, this was your pick, so I figured you have, or you just wanted to check it out. Yeah. Have you seen it? Yeah. I actually like this more than Hellraiser. Yeah, it's kind of weird how that happens. Of like, I enjoy the first Hellraiser, but this one has more of kind of what you think of like with Hellraiser. Yeah, you don't, and you don't have to establish it all, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's already there, so now we can just move forward, even though they decide to show the whole first movie, like, twice. Yeah, really, yeah, it's just so much of the cutting back. It's like, we remember. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I guess that's good for if you didn't, you know what I mean? Like, you could kind of jump into here. And I always, like, whenever there's, like, a uh, long, when they release a bunch of episodes, like, at once, if they do, like, a season dump, and then the next season comes out, like, the following year, I always love the, oh, here's what happened on the last season that's important. I was like, thank you. It's so good, but if you ever try to pause during one of those things, it, like, skips it, and then I don't know how to ever get back to those. Oh, no, you have to just, like, completely restart or something. (laughs) Yes. Alright, so this was written by Tony Randall? Randell? I don't know. And directed by Peter Atkins. No Clive Barker this time. I got directed by Tony Randall and written and produced by Clive Barker. Oh, we have very different <laughs> credits. So somewhere in there, that's what happened. I think Clive Barker got the character writing credit. You know what I mean? Okay, because I have Peter Atkins also as a writer. Okay. Well, anyway, somewhere yeah. in there is who made the movie. Well, we're on top of things. Yeah. Are we? I hope this isn't anyone's first episode they I listen know. to. This is like episode nine again. <laughs> yeah. But it starts out like good enough. We get a recap of the first movie and then our opening credits. And I love the big, grand, scary music that they play for these opening credits. Oh, and it's very fitting of like you're going into hell. It's the big, grand, like entrance theme. It feels like Hellraiser, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, this is like the last one that really feels like Hellraiser because you get into Hellraiser 3 and there's like the CD Cenobite and. Now Pinhead is on a post, and I don't know. Well, honestly, Hellraiser 1 and 2 are a great cohesive story, you know what I mean? It's not the, oh, we saw the first movie, here's a completely new group of characters, we just kept the killers. No, it's a very cohesive 1 to 2, you know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. It's just a through line through both of them. And then after that, it does what most horror franchises do, as they go on with a few exceptions. And Hellraiser is just, the sequels got so bad, because it started as like, well, we have this like half a script, just throw Pinhead in it, now it's finished. It wouldn't even have anything to do with them, and it was like, really, that's how they did those? 
I think it was a rights retention thing, wasn't it? Was why they yeah. were doing that. You know, and it's just like, uh, why are you just holding on to the rights to do nothing good with it? Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time, but that definitely started affecting Hellraiser. Yeah. But after that, we have what you think is like a safari hunter, but he's actually in military. It's uh, Human Pinhead, right? Yes, this is Doug Bradley without the makeup. Yeah, he's sitting there playing with a lament configuration. If you aren't well-versed in Hellraiser, the lament configuration is the box puzzle. And he's in a bunker of some sort, and he figures it out, opens up, and he's pulled in. Right, yeah, the chains shoot out, they cut his face up, you see the nails going in. Like, they at some point, they paint his face white. <laughs> I wonder who's throwing the chains, because that's kind of Pinhead's thing. Yeah, well, who's, like, was it, like, whoever Pinhead took over? It's, like, that weird, like, in-between area where you're training the new manager to do your job. Is it, like, the Tim Allen Santa Claus movies where Pinhead pushes him off the roof and then he just becomes Pinhead? <laughs> the leather, like, he just deflates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have an observation with human Pinhead. He looks too much like Don Knotts. Oh my god, young Doug Bradley does look like Don Knotts, doesn't he? Oh, especially at the end, spoiler alert, and jumping to the very end, when, like, Pinhead turns back into his human form, and he's in the leather still, and it's like, it's Don Knotts at an S&M party. <laughs> You're not wrong. And so, the first Hellraiser really leans into that S&M bondage metaphor. I don't feel like it does as much in this one. This one's more like hell, you know what I mean? This one, it's a lot more hell, but and it's also just a lot more general just sexiness. Of like, there's just random women under sheets, and they're moaning. Because I have the captions on, and it's just so much of moaning. Uh, heavy breathing. <laughs> <laughs> writhing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess, you know, I I misspoke, because there is a lot of it still. I oh. should, looking at it now, yeah, there is still a ton of it. It's Hellraiser, Hellraiser's you know? still super horny at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Kirsty from the first movie, yeah. wakes up in a psychiatric hospital, and there's a doctor there, we get a, who the fuck are you? I, I like Kirsty as a final girl, like, main character, so I'm glad to see her back. I like her, too. She's, like, a really good, strong, like, final character person, you know? Yeah, cops are going through her dad's house, which was her new... No, she never lived there, but her dad's new house they bought that the first movie went down... Everything went down in, and, like, we found another body, not much evidence on him, though he's all melty, but the only piece of evidence we found was a bloody mattress with chains in it, and Kirsty hears this, like, you have to destroy that mattress. They see the mattress with chains immediately. It's like, uh-oh, there's the hell bed. And then there's a wicker basket setting there, and you're expecting Belial to just pop out of it. But he opens it up, and it's just a body covered in maggots. And it was too quick for me to tell if they were actually maggots or superworms. They look kind of yellow. Like, some podcasters in the future are going to always make this their thing. They always pick this apart. But we're not showing them long enough. Some podcaster in the future has a bearded dragon. And for some reason has superworms. <laughs> yes. But then you get the body that falls out of the closet. And, like, the rookie deputy, like, shoots it, like, six times. And it's like, <laughs> god damn it. He's like, fuck, I fucked up. Because even, like, one of the next uh, scenes, like, Right after that, when you said, like, oh, we found the bloody mattress. They're also like, yeah, we found two bodies. One of them called, uh, had some damage done to it. And the guy has like, oh, shucks. 
Yeah, he's not. He's gonna get catch hell for this back at the station. Oh, he's, everyone's gonna be picking on him. There's gonna be like some hella paperwork to do. We're introduced to jo- Dr. Chenard for the first time. I hate this guy. But yeah. he's performing brain surgery. Like, I think it's a lesson, but maybe it's actual surgery. I don't know. But there's others watching it, and he's called to examine Kirsty. And his assistant, Kyle, is with him. He's like, this woman went through absolute hell, saw her family murdered in front of her. What stories she must bring back from the other side? <laughs> like, he wants to interview her and talk to how she's dealing with trauma and everything. He's very, he's like the typical, like, uh, caricature of a stuffy doctor who has his head up so far up his own ass. It's like, I forget what the doctor's name is, but the evil doctor from Reanimator that gets beheaded, how he's just like... Dr. Hill! Yes, like, he thinks he's the greatest thing in the entire world. That's this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's made to be unlikable right from the get-go, and for good reason. He becomes our big bad, kind of, by the end of the movie. Oh yeah, he's the uh, Darth Sidious of this movie. Yeah, we're, definitely. We'll get there. <laughs> that night, after everything settles, like, Kirsty has to stay there and everything. She's walking around in the hallway, and she looks in this room through the window, and she sees Tiffany for the first time. And Kyle, the doctor's assistant, is talking to her. He's like, well, her name's Tiffany. We don't know anything about her. She doesn't speak. She didn't have a name. That's the name we gave her. All she does is do these puzzles. What do you think she's going to solve at some point? I said, she's like the anti-Brett anti from Dimension Z. Of I'm horrible at puzzles. I could be in a room full of lament configurations. I'd be fine. I'm never going to solve it. I could be trying to. It's so weird that the lament configuration is made to be this thing that's near po- impossible to solve. In all these movies, it's just <laughs> full of people solving them all the time, though. It seems like you just rub it enough and things happen. Yeah, I feel like you just shake it around and smack it and twist it enough, you're gonna get there. Come on, I'm evil and I'm horny. I'm open the box. <laughs> uh, she's back in her room and she sees bloody writing on the wall that says, I am in hell, help me. You think yeah. it's a hallucination because you see her skin dad there and everything. But she goes up to it and touches the writing on the wall, but the blood's real. So, oh shit, she has to get to hell to save her dad. This is also just a great meme that I've seen, where it's just like, help me, I'm all sticky. Or it's like, when you eat hot wings. (laughs) (laughs) I send this when I'm in social situations I don't feel like being at. Yeah, exactly. Chenard goes to the scary, evil basement level of this hospital. (laughs) What the fuck is this? It's a real nice, clean, sanitized clinical hospital upstairs. You know what I mean? All white, well put together, everything like that. Takes the elevator to the basement. There's just steam shooting out of boilers. There's, like, basically cages with the people in them and straitjackets screaming and moaning and crying. It's like fucking Arkham Asylum down here. I don't know what's going on. Just because the guy might think he's covered in bugs and he's constantly screaming about get them off of him doesn't mean that he shouldn't also have proper living environment and not, like you said, steam and dust and dirt everywhere in his three-by-three padded cell. Yeah, it's not even lit. What do you think is going to happen to these people? Even if they were fine, you put them in here. I'm surprised. I thought that was going to be a plot point in the movie, like Kirsty was going to get set down here. No, it's just the evil room. Yeah, where yeah, he goes where it's the doctor opening like the viewer, like in the door, like he slides the little like door open. And he looks in at him, and the one guy is just like uh, has a cross, and it's like I guess hoarding like 
fending off demons everywhere in the cell at all times. He opens the one and the guy's just at the window just screaming. He's like, <laughs> Yeah, this isn't helping anybody. But uh, Kyle checks on Kirsty and she says, I had a visitor. My dad visited me from hell, hell and needs my help to get out of there. So I'm sure that's helping her case to get out of there. Oh, this is, she's breaking Throbbing with Horrors, like, rule number one of don't say exactly the weird thing that happened. Spin it so people don't think you're insane. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to say, hey, I have a cat that no one knows I have. I just got, I need to go home and feed it. Yeah. Anything but, yeah, my skin dead father, who <laughs> at the end, immediately, even the first time I'm watching this, I'm like, that's Frank. Oh, yeah, definitely. We know that's Frank. It looks nothing like your father did. Like, they look very different. Kyle's leaving, and he overhears Chenard on the phone in his office, though, and he's talking about the mattress. He's like, no, have the mattress sent to me right away. <laughs> like, and he, when he's by himself, he gets the villain accent. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, he's also like, send it to my home, not the hospital. Once again, I'm going to say it slowly and loudly in case anyone's eavesdropping. Take the bloody mattress with the chains to my personal residence. <laughs> what, does he have, like, the police, like, in his pocket or something? How did he get this? Yeah, immediately. Of, like, the last we knew is uh, they were tagging and bagging everything. Everything's evidence. So, yeah, what kind of end does this guy have? How are you getting the bloody mattress from the murder house? And it's not like it's a tiny little thing that could be, like, put in an evidence locker and people aren't going to notice that it's missing right away. It's a giant bloody mattress. <laughs> yeah, that's taking up some room in evidence. You'd notice that that was gone. Just, I want to see the slapstick, like, walka walka of, like, the police officer trying to steal it out of the evidence locker. And the captain's <laughs> like, what are you doing with that? You know? I'm tired! Yeah. <laughs> um, we get a quick recap to Chenard from Kirsty, which is the just the first movie. That's all it is. Um, next, Chenard has the mattress at his home office. And Kyle, just from overhearing this phone conversation, I guess has decided to break into his boss's house? Yeah. We're, and it's perf horrible timing. Or perfect, because at least he sees the, act, the supernatural thing and believes Kirsty, But... Terrible timing as a person being there and having, like, not being in a movie. Oh, definitely. There's weird scrolls and articles and a bunch of lament configurations and evidence all over this room, so he's obsessed with this. Somehow he has 8x10s of uh, Pinhead before he was Pinhead. That is my big... I want the origin of how he made the connection that Pinhead is a Cenobite yeah. and has tracked down these photos of this man who was pulled into a box. Or, yeah, even knew, like, I could get maybe it was, like, a mysterious disappearance or something. But you know how many of those there are? Yeah, and, like, he's in the military. I mean, people tend to go MIA there more than most other people. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. if it was during combat. Exactly. Like, it's, I would like you said, I would love to know how he put two and two together. Maybe he looks up mysteries where the only piece of evidence was a strange puzzle box. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good uh, through line for all these. <laughs> but Chenard comes back um, with one of the basement patients, and Kyle hides behind some curtains. Yes, he it comes back with the bug guy. Dude, this is fucking disgusting. Because the guy doesn't have bugs on him. 
But his yeah. whole thing that he was screaming about is he he thinks he has bugs crawling on him at all times. And the Dr. Chenard sits him on the mattress and hands him a fucking straight razor and undoes a straitjacket. And so he, it shows like his vision of just bugs crawling through rotting flesh yeah. on him and everything. It's fucking gross, dude. Well, even when he takes off the straitjacket and it shows his chest, like, he just scratches at his chest all the time, so it's scarred and, like, already bleeding before he even hands him the razor blade. But like you said, there's, like, worms crawling out of him, and he's just, like, viciously slashing at himself. Oh, this is disturbing. It's a fucked up scene. But he's sitting on the evil mattress, and so all the blood's dripping down onto the bed, <laughs> fucking skinned Julia from the first movie <laughs> pops out of the bed two hands pop up like ah <laughs> she shoves she crawls out and like it's it's a comical scary scene cause the guy's crawling away from her and she's all bloody and like muscle system he like crawled after him grabbing him he's screaming no and then, like what guy has to be thinking when this pops out and like is just crawling on the floor after you there's also still the other guy hiding behind the curtain and he peeks out and he sees that there's now a skin body that's come out of the mattress so immediately he's like oh fuck and i love how he looks over and he just sees the door like right there that goes off to the patio i guess or something but he's just immediately like i need to get the fuck out of here <laughs> i fucked up <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's a really tense moment, though, where the guy's reaching away when Julia's pulling at him, and he almost grabs those curtains he's hiding behind. Yeah. It's like, no, fuck you! you. Know, it would take everything in me, if I was this guy, not to grab the curtains and back up so the doctor just sees the curtains pull away from that dude. Yeah. But he doesn't get the curtains, and skin Julia, like, sticks her hand through the back of his head and drinks his blood, like, sucks it out and kills him. Yes, it's like a... Her fingers are like straws in this one. Where the first one, it wasn't like... You kind of got a thing of, like, he grabbed their neck or something, but this one really shows him. Basically, she fists his skull. <laughs> and also, she got a head start. Frank came back as a nervous system yeah. at first and had to build up from that. Well, if you remember, too, though, when Frank's brother went walking in, he, like, cut his hand, and there was, like, three drops of blood. This guy is, like cutting himself like a motherfucker so he's like drenched in it so she got a head start that's true that makes sense uh, and then she has the nerve after all this to look at the doctor and go don't be scared of me yeah like oh well okay demon woman who just appeared from the bloody mattress and drained that person yeah this is fine <laughs> but, i mean i guess this is what he wanted yeah the next day julia's staring in a mirror and she smashes it he goes, I'm cold, and then puts on this white pantsuit of, of all the colors, but <laughs> I like it, though, because it's all bloody and nasty and everything. It looks cool. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why they did it. Of, like, find the whitest articles of clothing you own. <laughs> yeah. He bandages her up like a mummy, probably just so they don't have to do this makeup so long, and then they make out, which is gross, because she doesn't have lips. Yeah, well, there's a, a cool little scene of where she, like, sees the wine sitting there and she drinks it and she's almost like shocked by it because I guess she's been in hell of course so she's like wine and then he starts smoking a cigarette and she's immediately like I need a fix give me a butt <laughs> I assume she was just cold because she didn't have her skin but yeah. also if you just came out of hell everything's probably cold because well, they do have like multiple space heaters set up now 
Yeah, I did notice but, that. Yeah, this guy gets like super horny over no skin woman. And yeah, they make out for like a little bit. And then it's just, I guess, like, then she's like, okay, let's get me some skin. It's like, yeah, we should have done that before I kissed you, but sure. <laughs> and before I gave you my nice pantsuit. Yeah. But Kyle goes to see Kirsty. He obviously believes her now, and he's getting her out. Um, and then, here's where Count of the Dead has its biggest jump in this movie, Brett. Julia is reforming from eight tied-up basement patients. Yeah, they go fucking quick. And it makes sense, because the first movie, the plot of it was honestly Frank reforming. We yeah. have a bigger story to tell in this one. We can't spend so long on the reforming. Yeah, it's the entire movie's not that. There's like, okay, we kind of, we get the glimpse of that, and I'm glad that they still at least throw that in there to make it, like, in continuity and make everything make sense. But yeah, the, you don't have to spend 45 minutes now bringing different people back, showing how you seduce the people to bring them back, you know? Yeah, exactly. And he removes the bandages, and Julia is back. Fun fact, I did check, that is not her in the skinned makeup. Oh, okay, I was wondering. In credits, it had Julia and skinned, skinless Julia. Yeah, okay. But she's not even completely reformed yet, because he goes to, like, you know, grab her back, and how you do, and kiss her, and then she has no skin still on her back, so it's still slimy. Yeah, she needs probably one more, I'd say. Yeah, let's do a couple more bodies before we do anything else here. <laughs> Kirsty and Kyle sneak into Chenard's house, and they split up. And because the whole thing is she wants to get the lament configurations to get to hell to save her dad. Right. And Kyle's like, he had those boxes on his desk. So that's what they're doing. They split up because this is Scooby-Doo, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll check upstairs. <laughs> Kyle's about to go into the murder room, and Julia's like, they're like, are you here to help me, or something like that? Oh, it's awful in there. She's playing, like, the victim and everything. And he even goes, like, uh, is it in there? Like, the skin thing, not knowing that he's talking to it. Yeah, she is it. Yeah. <laughs> but he does go in and comes out. She's like, was it awful in there? And then goes in with him, and then obviously kills him. Sucks his brain out through her hands, through his skull, and her back is reformed. Julia's complete again. Oh, you know what would be great is Elmer versus Julia. Of, like, they're going after the brains. Oh, that'd be a cool crossover. Versus Tarman. Yes. No, it's mine, Julia. <laughs> <laughs> also, while all that was going on, Kirsty was in the office, and she found the book with the pictures of Pinhead, and she takes the photo of human Pinhead... I assume this is she recognizes that that was him as a human. Yeah, because well, they because they do a thing of like they look at the picture, then they do a flash of Pinhead, then back and forth a couple times. It's like, okay, yeah, we get it. <laughs> so she's smart because she realizes, hey, I'm going to hell. I am probably going to run into my old friend, the Cenobites. Yeah. Maybe I can use this. Well, because even they, when they do run in later, and they're like, oh, hey, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> it has to be you again. <laughs> Kirsty goes into the dead body room and finds dead Kyle and Julia. We get the cheesiest line that would not work in any other horror franchise besides Hellraiser, if you ask me. For some reason, I cut them slack of being grand and over the top and cheesy, you know what I mean? Right. It's, I've changed the roles of this fairy tale, Kirsty. I'm no longer just the wicked stepmother. I'm the evil queen. <laughs> yeah, 
if they weren't literally running around the labyrinth of hell in just a little bit, it would be like, oh yeah, you're like really full of yourself. Yeah, but for some reason, I I can accept it in Hellraiser. Yeah, that it makes sense in Hellraiser. Also because they're like British, so they're very like proper. Yes, she gave her a good row. Well, I was about to watch last uh, night. I was going to watch the Hellraiser documentary, and like the first fifteen minutes of it is all the British actors and people and whatnot that had to do with the movie saying about how amazing Britain's horror movies are and how shit America is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I need to watch this. Oh, it's so like they're like we have great horror movies like the hammer horror series and hellraiser they have like that freddy and jason shit (laughs) usa usa (laughs) it was so funny where i'm just like jesus can we talk about hellraiser (laughs) sorry british listeners i do love you yes (laughs) um where i don't even know where we're at Oh, the the cheesy line. Yes. Then she knocks her out. Then Chenard shows up because he has brought Tiffany to solve the box. And, of course, it doesn't <laughs> take her long. They're watching her behind, like, a two-way, uh, what's that called? Two-way mirror or one-way mirror? Well, uh, two-way mirror, right? I think two, yeah, it would be two-way. Because they, it, on their side, it looks like a mirror, but you can see through it. Yeah. But they bring Tiffany into the house, but for some reason they walk her by the death room. Because Tiffany peeks in for a second, then they're like, okay, we're going to go over here now. Yeah. It's like you couldn't have made this <laughs> seem like. I don't get it. I know that <laughs> she. Whatever. Tiffany's like, she doesn't speak and whatnot, and no one knows anything about her. But it would be so great if they walked her by the death room and she just starts screaming. She's like, ah! What the fuck? And just like loses it. And also, Kirsty is there. Yeah. Julie, I know she didn't kill Julie in the first one, but she was part of what led to like her downfall with everything. You don't want to like tie her up, throw her in a closet or something. Yeah. No, she's fine. Yeah. I backhanded her really hard. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> but anyway, she sits down. Of course, she solves the box, and this is really cool because like glass shatters, like all the water boils, books and paper are flying off the shelves as they explode, and the Cenobites arrive in some grand style right here. Oh yeah, because like, the hallways open almost in the walls where the walls part, and these like it's they're backlit, and you just see the Cenobites come out, and this is my favorite form of the Cenobites, like my favorite group. So we got Pinhead, we got Butterball, I love Butterball, we got the Chatterer, and I believe she is still just Lady Cenobite. I, I think she's credited as female Cenobite. Okay. But this is my favorite group of Cenobites we ever get. Oh, it's the OG. One and two. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But they show up like the Undertaker coming out of WrestleMania, <laughs> walking out of this thing. It's, oh, it's on now. They need Paul Bearer. Just, woo! <laughs> <laughs> and they're about to take Tiffany, but Pinhead's like, Stop! It is not hands that call to us, it is desire. So, like, yeah, she didn't mean to open the box. Where was that attitude last movie, bud? Yeah. And Kirstie's like, yeah, I didn't know what the box was. And there, and she, Kirstie was basically like, I'm going to help you catch who you're after. And they're like, but we would still like you. I think they just think Kirstie's, like, cute, and they're like, we want to hang out. Like, you want to go on a date with us? I don't do other stuff. They talk about that later. Yeah. Julia and Chenard go into the gateway, like, that's been opened up. Kirsty wakes up, grabs one of the lament configurations, and she goes in, too, because she has to find her dad. 
Tiffany's in there. Oh, which, did she just run in herself? How did she get in there? No, well, Tiffany was there alone and went in by herself, I guess. Because then later, like you said, Kirsty runs in too, and they just meet up randomly. Yeah, Kirsty having like no plan other than I'm going to go into hell, then find this one singular singular person, my father, and all of hell, and then she runs in. It's the labyrinth and all the hallways. I'd immediately be like, "Oh no, I'm gonna get lost." Dude, hell looks cool. It reminds me of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Yes. I love all the matte paintings and whatnot. It's great. Oh, it looks awesome. It's just fun to look at. Yeah. But we cut to Tiffany in hell first, and she is at the carnival. Holy shit, this thing is creepy. There's these evil funhouse mirrors that are showing her her past. Chenard basically stole her from her mother and lied about that. We don't know where she came from and everything. Right. But there's a baby doll getting oh. its mouth sewn shut for some yeah. reason. A weird, <laughs> creepy juggler. Like, the Hell Carnival looks like a wild time. Also, they do the thing to make... Because now, like, they're doing a flashback of Tiffany. And this isn't yeah. nowadays where, like, the in Stranger Things Season 4, spoiler alerts, huge. They do a flashback to, like, Young Eleven. And they do the de-aging. Where Tiffany, they just put her in, like, pink tails... And, like, yeah. a little girl dress. <laughs> and they're like, now you're eight. <laughs> I mean, it works. Well, I mean, when you have, like, 40-year-olds playing te- uh not teachers, like, 40-year-olds <laughs> playing, like, students in high school back in the day, yeah, that checks out. That works. That's all you need to do. It is just so hilarious. Every single time I watch this movie, it doesn't take me out of it completely, but I do chuckle. I'm just like, huh, that now, now she's eight. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsty goes into a house she thinks her dad might be in. I think it's one of their old houses, the hell version. But who finds her but the Cenobites? They all show up. They're like, Kirsty. <laughs> they're like, hell, what a coincidence to run into you. How's the family? <laughs> what? They're like, I, I didn't use the box. It's like, didn't know what the box was. Didn't use the box. What excuses at this time? It's almost like it's just kind of a coincidence we keep running into each other. And Pinhead, like, twirls one of his nails. Like, what are you doing for lunch? <laughs> Butterball's filling out one of those, like, misconnection Craigslist things. <laughs> Oof. Can we go to the buffet? <laughs> for some reason, I think of him as, like, a fat German man. <laughs> <laughs> Lady said a bite's like, perhaps she's teasing us. Are you teasing us? I just love the switch <laughs> between the two. Like, perhaps she is. Are you? Are you a tease? <laughs> like, she's trying to find her father, and Pinhead's like, ha, ha, ha. He is quite unreachable. He's in his own hell. I love Doug Bradley's delivery yeah. of every line. And I, I also enjoy what they kind of say about hell. Is like, he's in his own personal hell. And you're in yours. And it's almost like the preacher thing they did on the show of everyone has, like, their worst day. Well, that's been done in a lot of things. Again, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, they had their own personal hells. Oh, yeah. Preacher. Just think, what's torture for you might not be torture for someone else, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, I'm trying to think of what my worst day would be. I don't know. Us sitting here trying to get the episode to work for a half hour. Yeah. That's my hell. Oh, just constantly podcast issues. Of Are we recording? I can't tell if we're recording. Okay, we're going to stop and listen to it. Okay, we were recording that time, but what if we aren't this time? Yeah. That, that's, Pinhead's like, this is it. We're, we're, we're both just sitting there just every once in a while being like, ah, damn. Ah. 
I wish I could turn my AC on. It's a little hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> Kirsty does what any logical person would do, and she runs and pits her head's like, Feel free, explore. We have eternity to know your flesh. A little creepy, dude. Which, but I'd always enjoy that line of, like, we will enjoy your flesh. It's just so, like, ugh. Yeah, it's haunting. You yeah. remember it. Now, we're going to enjoy you or anything. No, you're secondary. We just want your flesh. <laughs> so when you do a callback line to an iconic line from a first movie, it can go either way. I either love it or it feels cheesy and ham-fisted. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I actually like this because Joy and the Doctor are exploring. He's seeing some weird, like, bathtub makeout with chains on people. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of like, oh, what the hell? But then Julie's like, come, I have such sights to show you. I'm like, okay, that works out pretty cool. And it's a cool kind of delivery, and I like that it's said by somebody else. Yeah, exactly. But Tiffany randomly finds Kirsty, and Kirsty's telling her she has to close the box, like, to get him out of there. And then we're introduced to Leviathan, Lord of the Labyrinth. The Julie and the Doctor see it. It's just a floating, like, little crystal thing. Yeah, it's basically the lament configuration in a different form. Yeah, it looks like a diamond kind of thing, of like a long diamond with points at each end. Yeah, exactly. But the Doctor starts having all these visions of all the bad things he's done, and like, every, like, not great time in his life, but he starts screaming, Help me! And Julia never cared for this man. She goes, It wanted souls, and I brought you. And the Doctor's tortured... This is wild, this scene right here. Oh, yeah, I love it. You know how, like, the piano wire kills, like, in old, like, mob movies and shit like that? Oh, yeah, they're brutal. Yeah, it's like three, I think it's like five of those just stretching across his face, like, pulling in. There's, like, all this, it's like a mix of monsters and surgical equipment attacking him and, like, transforming and torturing him. It's wild looking. Yeah, there's, like, this weird, um like tentacle thing goes into his mouth and while all this is happening he's just getting lowered down and like to this crate like he's in a crate and he's just getting being lowered away <laughs> yeah it's really cool looking. and the I entire like time he is in hell so he's just screaming like this his lungs out like you would <laughs> yeah nothing's gonna help you dude Kirsty finds the house she thinks her dad's at. She tells Tiffany, wait outside. If I'm not back in however long, you go without me and close the box. Here's the thing. I'm thinking, like, you're in hell. Time's going to be played weird. You might be in there for a second. She thinks you've been in there for ten years, you know? Exactly. I thought the same thing. But she goes inside, and it looks like an ancient mausoleum, like, kind of ancient Egyptian mixed with, like, Roman and evil. It's really cool looking. And this is where we get, it's beds come out of the wall, and there's, like, I'm guessing it's women under, like, a white sheet. And they're just moaning and writhing around, and then they go back into the wall. And then more, like, come out and writhe around and moan, and then go back into the wall. And it's like, what the fuck is going on here? Then Uncle Frank appears yeah she finds the mirror with the help me message and it's frank he goes didn't you get my message oh shit creepy uncle from the first movie's back it's like it was you that sent the message and basically his explanation is this is my own personal hell like i want to fuck so badly and there's these women over here that are writhing around but i can never get them so i sent for you 
So his hell is every time he goes to get one, like it pulls back into the wall. I guess so. It's like it's like a creepy pervy whack-a-mole. Like he's just sitting there, like like ready and like hard, and he's just like do 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 do, trying to trick it, like not doing easy. He like jumps at them with it, and it closes real quick. He's like, damn it. <laughs> Where the ones on the other side of the room open up, and he runs over there, like, and then he comes out the other side. <laughs> but I don't. He wants to have sex with his niece yes. again because he's pervy, uncle. Uh, Father's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do anything. He goes up to her, but she throws a sheet on a candle, and she somehow knows this would work. How is beyond yeah. me? I gotta strike a point away for this, but. She throws a sheet on the candle, and the whole room goes up in flames. All the people under the sheets are now bloody under the sheets, and, like, everything's going nuts. And Frank loses his skin for no real reason. It melts back off because he's in hell. But, like you said, like, how she knew throwing this little piece of cloth onto the candle is, like, the weakness, and that's how she's going to escape. It's like, okay. I don't buy it for a second, but... The flames go out, and Julia is there with Tiffany, and Frank's Frank and her are having their reunion, <laughs> never mind the fact that Frank stabbed her to death in the last movie. That's how she ended up in hell in the first place. Yeah, and then but, drained her blood. Yeah. But he's like, oh, I knew you'd come back. You're a girl who keeps her promises or something like that. And Julia reaches into him <laughs> and rips out his heart like, uh, what was that, Stark? No, Indiana Jones like Kalima, Kalima rips his heart out. And it's like nothing personal, babe. As the other two run away, and this is another like picture that you'll see around quite a bit if you're like into horror. Is like Julia holding the heart in front of Skin Frank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I see that all the time. Yeah. And Kirsty and Tiffany are in this like wind tunnel thing, and. We're, we're shown, I assumed it was in front of them, but no, it's just a weird cutaway to this giant lament configuration opening to reveal our newest Cenobite, the Doctor. So I thought that was right in front of them, because it's such a weird cut. Yeah, But, but it's I, not, it's just sh- showing us. I do enjoy his thing of, like, and to think, I hesitated. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then the giant, like, drill thing... Like, it's a tentacle with a drill at the end, and it, like, drills into his head and wraps around it. So now he's piloted by this ginormous tentacle, a lot like that latest Star Wars. I forget what it was called. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, where Palpatine is basically on a giant arm thing that, like, pilots him around. Oh, that makes sense. I enjoyed this so much because I didn't see the newest Star Wars immediately when it came out, so I saw, like, the memes and stuff come out. And I started seeing people doing Hellraiser 2 memes. And I was like, what the hell is this about? Then I got to that scene. I was like, oh, okay. That does make sense. The What's piloting him, though? Is Leviathan piloting him? Yeah, I don't know. It's a tentacle that's coming out of, like, off, of, off screen. We never see what it's attached to. It's just, like, yeah, exactly. random tentacle. <laughs> but remember, our other two are in the wind tunnel. And Julia shows up. Kirsty pushes her in there, but she grabs Tiffany, 
and of course, grab my hand. Tiffany grabs Kirsty's hand, and Julia is literally pulled out of his skin and sucked away. <laughs> Which this is kind of, a, and it's like for like a split second, but it's such a funny little um, special effect moment of skinless Julia getting pulled into the abyss. But it's obviously just like a dummy going ah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks cool. It looks bad, but it looks cool. Yeah. The other two run away, and they make it back to the hospital, which I thought was fake, but no, they actually made it back to the hospital. And they're in the one room, and all the patients are playing with lament configurations, and then big reveal to them of the newest Cenobite, the doctor is in! He shows up and cuts off a patient's head and his hand and stabs him in the head. He keeps throwing up like doctor one-liners. It's like, looks like this calls for amputation. And like, he has like the palms of his hands he puts them out and tentacles come out of those but then whatever he wants comes out of the tentacles so it's like knives and surgical things at one point there's an eyeball that comes out of it just to have spikes come through the eyeball he's like a cross between doc ock and inspector gadget yeah but just the hell version for sure yeah (laughs) but kirsty runs into another room and you know, the Cenobites can just turn whatever room they're in into their room. And it's the Cenobite room. And they're like, no more games, no more bargaining. She's like, no bargaining, just information. And like, Pinhead's like, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like he gets the newspaper in hell. He's like, what news could you have for me? It's like, the Bears won the World Series. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> But she gives Pinhead his human picture, like, you're human, all of you were human at one point, try to remember, and he's like, I remember, and right then, though, evil doctor shows up for Tiffany, is like, Tiffany, it's time for surgery or whatever, but... <laughs> Basically. Pinhead, I don't know, it's some fucking It is like something that. like that. He's a horrible demon, where Pinhead's very reserved, and he's like, yes, we will enjoy your flesh. And he says horrible things, but it's, like, done in a reserved, like, proper manner. The doctor's he just He makes like, it work. He's like, I'm gonna cut your limbs off, or you're next in line. Do you have insurance? <laughs> I'm surprised we didn't get that one. But because it's a British movie, they don't have this insurance problem mess uh, like we do as much, I don't think. Bastards. <laughs> but... Pinhead now is seen the light and hooks the new Cenobite, and all the Cenobites start... It's cool. There is this badass shot where all of them turn like, yeah. okay, let's kill this fucker. Granted, it doesn't work, but it looks really cool for a second. For like 10 because... seconds, we get a cool Cenobite fight. And you're like, oh, this could be half a movie. <laughs> yeah, Pinhead hooks him, but the Doctor frees himself, and he starts killing the Cenobites one by one. And right when they die, they all turn back to human. The one that shocks me the most is Chatterer yeah. is like a kid. I know. I love, I hate seeing them die because unfortunately these Cenobites never come back. As far as I know, I haven't seen a couple of the later Hellraiser movies, but I'm pretty sure this group never comes back again. Where a uh, lady Cenobite falls over and he has, you know, the lady. You're like, okay, yeah. And then uh, Butterball gets killed and falls over. It's like, yep, yeah, big fat guy's guts out. And then, yeah, Chatterer gets killed, and he looks like he's like 12. Yeah, that's the one that shot me. And you know what? Kids never shut up, so it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> I want cookies. I want ice cream. Do you have games on your phone? 
And then, so it's just Pinhead left, and the doctor goes, I'm taking over this operation. <laughs> and he zaps Pinhead back to human first before killing him, yeah. and then slits his throat. This is where he turns into Don Knotts. He's like, golly gee! And then he gets killed. <laughs> Our two humans have run back into the hospital, and the hospital's just going crazy. All the patients in the previous room who are working on the laments are all dead in their beds there, and... Tiffany's like, I have to go back. It's a giant puzzle talking about Leviathan. I have to finish the puzzle. Oh, yeah, because for some reason, this all of these movies are about this box, this puzzle box. They left the puzzle box in hell. They, they've just dropped it, and they left it there. Well, they didn't drop it. It's in the nasty Julia skin. I wouldn't pick it up either. Still, you know this is the key. This is like if we're in our own world, this is our only defense against these things. Nah, fuck it. I don't care. It's gross. <laughs> also, the doorways just open this entire time. Like, in my head canon, I can just, like, imagine, like, a cute little puppy goes walking up. He's like, I wonder what's in here. And then he just goes wandering around in hell forever. <laughs> and they make him king because he's a good boy. Where it's just, like, people getting tortured to death. And it's like, oh, you're, like, it's like the sex people where you can tell they're being tortured, but they just constantly are having sex in that bathtub and they look over and they see the cute little like puppy go walking by they're like what the fuck <laughs> it brightens their day for a second then it's back to torture they're like oh no now puppies turn me on god damn it <laughs> we gotta fuck that dog <laughs> so they go and they get the puzzle from <laughs> julia's skin i'm not going on the fucking dog you don't have dogs i do that's a weird topic <laughs> But they, they get the nasty skin that's holding the puzzle. They get the box, and they're, like, on this ledge, and Kirsty saves Tiffany from being grabbed by the doctor, but he's stalking Tiffany, like, moving closer, floating in his Palpatine thing. <laughs> and he's about to kill her, but Julia shows up. What? Yeah, what? I thought she was gone. If this was supposed to be a twist, it was not. <laughs> Well, because even the skin, it's like 100% like the end of the first one, just with a twist to it, of course. But like the skin isn't quite right on whoever Julia is. <laughs> yes, it's clearly Kirsty in the Joy outfit, but she kisses oh. the doctor. But and as Tiffany's working on the puzzle, Tiffany solves the puzzle and the doctor's head just gets pulled off. What? Yeah, they're just like, oh shit, okay, they won the puzzle, you lost. But good for Kirsty to be in character and to know enough to be like, well, if this doesn't work, then there's going to be on hell on earth. So I guess I have to make out with the weird blue man. Yeah. She committed to that character. She comes back. She's like, God damn it. Now I have like hell herpes. Dude, I don't know how Tiffany's just being an idiot and like trips and falls over the ledge. And yeah. she's hanging there. Ah, and Julia. <laughs> Julia reaches down to pull her up. She grabs on, and the arm starts falling off. And then the real bloody arm grabs her, and it's Kirsty. And pulls her up. She takes the face off and smiles. It's it's a funny scene yeah. when she pulls the Julia face off, and she's just covered in blood, but she's all smiley and happy. Oh yeah, because they didn't even hold back of like she's not covered in blood. No, she's completely red now. <laughs> Oh, yeah. They, they had to run out, though, because it's about to close, and they run through, like, a Pink Floyd laser show yeah. on their way back through, and they get to the hospital right in time, of course, and they save the day. Yeah, the giant, like, crystal-looking thing is turned back into the box. Yes. Now it's just a giant box floating there. I'm guessing that's the devil. 
Oh, no, it's Labyrinth or, like, the ruler of this realm or something. So okay. I think there's different le- levels of hell. Well, and this whatever. isn't even the big guy, then. No, that's not the big guy yet. But there's all these wreaths placed on the patient's bed to show it's been some time. Kind of sad. I'm like, how the hell did they explain this one away? Yeah, really? Like, oh, yeah, we just had... I don't know how many patients were there. Like, 12 patients die. <laughs> yeah, but... Kirsty and Tiffany are walking together, like, outside through some weird hedges, and that doesn't really show what that is, but I guess they're friends now. By the way, Tiffany started talking randomly when she said, I have to finish the puzzle, was the first line she had the whole movie. To the point where Kirsty even, like, looks at her and is like, wait, what? It's like in the Logan movie where the little girl doesn't talk till, like, halfway through, and Wolverine's like, what the fuck, you could talk? But at least he did that, because Kirsty didn't say anything to the point, I'm like, wait a minute, she's not supposed to talk? I thought it was a mess up at first. Yeah. <laughs> but these movers are moving all the stuff out of Dr. Chenard's house, and they go to get the bed, hands pop out of the bed and pull one of them in, and the other goes up there as this pillar rises with the, oh, God. all these faces on it, and you see Pinhead on there, a bunch of others, like, their faces on the spinning pillar, and then... What I believe is the creepy man from the first movie who morphs into a fucking dragon. Is that... Because he has the crickets in the beard. Yeah. So it's that guy who I completely forgot about. It's like, what is your pleasure, sir? And then credits. Yeah, it's really... And it's just... This sets you up so much of like, okay, for the rest of this entire series, everything's just batshit. Oh, yeah. I mean, that guy's endings are always weird. He's not in the movie, shows up for three seconds at the end to confuse me. That's his job. Yeah, last time he was a dragon. Now he's a pillar. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, that's Hellraiser 2. Yeah. Again, I like the first Hellraiser. I actually like the sequel a little more. Yeah, after watching it again this time and, like, really focusing on it and whatnot, I think I agree with you. Yeah, I mean... They're close. They're not like, it's not leaps and bounds better, but if I had to pick one to watch, it's probably part two. This has more of Hellraiser, like what you think of with Hellraiser in it. Yeah, exactly. Where the first one's a great story on its own, but there's like barely any pinhead hell stuff in it. Yeah, in this one we get like some cool shots of like the center, but even just dumb little touches I like about like when they first make their entrance and everything. Like little things like that that really raise it up for me. Why did they have to fuck this series up from here on out? Why did they... Why couldn't they make it good like this? I don't know. But we'll, we'll get, get there some at some those. point. Those will be fun. Oh, yeah. Those will be fun. I'm... I'm uh, especially the ones I haven't seen. Like, I can't wait to get to those and review those. Oh, uh, that's a path you don't always want to walk down. I thought that, too. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be so bad, it's fun. Uh-huh. When I watched all the Return of the Living Dead sequels... <laughs> Second one's bad, third one's incredible, and then yeah. after that, I'm like, I'm wasting my life away by watching this. Well, you sent me all the not, movies. Not part three, part four. Part four I'm talking about. Part three is a masterpiece. But holy shit. You sent me your collection, you're like, I got all of them. I'm like, you even got Rave to the Grave? And I was like, why? <laughs> I, I had to complete it, Brett. Yeah. I had to finish the puzzle. It's that mentality, I get it. <laughs> Are you going to count the dead? Yeah, let's get into the count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. All right, the throbbing horror count of the deads. We're tallying up all the deaths in the movie. How many do you think we got with Hellbound Hellraiser 2? There's quite a number in here. Yeah, it's more than you think. And here's the thing. It's all in big groups, most of it. Oh, I got to say this. 
I did not count Cenobites for the reason that they are demons. But they were people. They were, but they're already dead. Okay. It's your thing. I'm not good. Uh, I won't say. Wait, did I count Cenobites? Let me look here. <laughs> I'll know right here. Because I know there was, the, there was like eight or something of them that were hanging in that room. There was quite a number of patients that were in those beds that were dead. I'm going to say 26. I think you got it. I'm not going to okay. lie, listeners. I didn't have a good count this time. <laughs> There's some shit going on. So, yeah, we're going to go 26 because that's close. I win. Yeah, so for this, yeah, you win. Yay. <laughs> that was great. Okay, I'm sitting here trying to, like, double check myself. You know what? You got it. It was around there. Woohoo! I had 24, and then I realized I missed two. But I'm like, wait, I should take this one away, and we'll be here for an hour. 26. <laughs> Well, that's Greg's Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. And I do my... It doesn't even deserve the ah, ah this time. Count of the Dead. (laughs) And I do my ratings from Dimension Z. (laughs) Um, So basically, I take the movie, and I take something from the movie, and I rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst, and 10 being the best. And I come up with that thing right now. Um... Let me think for Hellraiser, what would be good? Hellraiser 2. Hellbound Hellraiser 2. We must be proper. Does that bother you, by the way? What? Did they put, like, the subtext first in the title? Most yeah. other movies would be Hellraiser 2, Hellbound. It is kind of weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Okay, I have one. Alright. And, uh, okay, so I'm gonna go with Skin. Okay. So a number one version of Skin, the worst kind of Skin. It's your own Skin, but it's not on your body anymore. It's just laying there. You're like, how'd that happen? It hurts a lot. Okay. A number 10 version of skin, the best version of skin, is pig skin when you fry it and it turns into pork rinds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's like well moisturized, like taking care of skin, like pork rinds. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to give Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. It is really good, but there are certain points, like we said in the review, of it's like, why did that happen? How does she know that? It's just, I guess, like, okay, keep the story moving along, but when you really pay attention, you're like, eh. I'm going to give it eight versions of skin out of ten. I like it a lot. I do like it more than the first Hellraiser, I would say. There's a few weird story things that will kind of take you out of it, but all in all, very rewatchable. One of the, probably, I would guess, then, the best Hellraiser movie there is. Yeah, probably. Um... I believe I gave the first Hellraiser a 7. I'm also going to give Hellraiser 2 a 7, because it's not enough to bump it up to a point five, but it's just I like it a little more. Right, I get Yeah, that. I'm going to go 7. Okay, nice. 7 skins, yes. Yes. <laughs> I want to know what the middle versions of skin are. <laughs> Dude, how many Hellraiser movies are there even oh, now? Because it's one of series that's, believe me, I have not watched every entry. And Doug Bradley was actually in, like, a good chunk of them. Like, he stuck with it even when they were bad. There's supposed to be a new one coming out this year. I haven't seen hide or hair of it yet. Where oh, yeah. is that thing? And it's supposed to be female uh, Pinhead, right? Yeah, uh, Jamie Clayton's playing Pinhead, yeah. Which I'm interested to see how she does. Where do I Do I know her from anything? I don't know. Okay. I didn't know if she was anything anything that we knew about. Oh, I just know her name. Like, she, because when I heard about this, I looked her up. I'm like, okay, you're the new Pinhead. Which I'm fine with. I saw some people being like, what do you mean it's Lady Pinhead? It's like, I I don't care. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Doug Bradley's not going to do it. it yeah. Hellraiser's not one that has a strong continuity, so yeah, I'll, I'll check this out. Yeah, it's not like it could get any worse than what it already has be, has become. Yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to see that. Hopefully it releases soon. I hope so. Yeah, and that's all I think I got on Hellraiser 2. Yeah, that's all I got then. So yeah, we hope that you enjoyed it, and we hope that Hellbound Hellraiser 2 has left your brain throbbing with horror. Ah, it seems you've survived another fright. Be sure to look for the Throbbing with Horror Pumpkin on all of your favorite social medias and local newspaper headlines. Rate us five stars on your favorite podcast platform, or else. Subscribe for more tantalizing terror, and be ready for the new fear next week, if you dare.